Howdy folks, this is Matt Sewell. You're listening to episode 28 of the Popecast, the podcast about popes for people who like learning about history but don't much like dry, dusty history books. This week is a Popecast unlike any other. Our Pope this episode was not only the first in history to resign his office, but he did so after being exiled alongside his arch-rival, a man who had set himself up as the church's first anti-pope. And the craziest part about it, both of them are now saints. This week, it's the Pope and his enemy who were martyred together, Saints Pontian and Hippolytus. It was the third century, and Christianity was still strictly forbidden. Though of late, the Roman Empire hadn't been as keen on persecuting the church and her members. That was the preferred MO, at least, of Emperor Severus Alexander, who reigned during the majority of the pontificate of Pope St. Pontian. Pontian was elevated to the chair of Peter as the 18th Bishop of Rome on July 21st, 230 AD. He's actually the first pope for whom we know the exact dates of his papacy, the beginning and the end, though his life before becoming pope, other than his being a Roman by birth and being the son of a man named Calpurnius, is lost to history. Nothing much of note happened during Pontian's five years in office. The church likely was breathing a well-deserved sigh of relief at the reprieve from persecution. But he did preside over the synod, which expelled and deposed the early Christian theologian origin of Alexandria for some behavior and some false beliefs. But other than that, no fireworks really started until 235 when a new emperor came to power, Maximinus the Thracian, who decided to renew the Christian persecution with a vengeance and this time specifically against the heads of the church. Now, meanwhile, the man we know as St. Hippolytus now had been nearly 20 years masquerading as an anti-pope, the church's first in history, and basically a guy who props himself up as an alternate pope and claims his own legitimacy. His anti-papacy, if you will, spanned three actual papacies and came about for a couple of reasons. Hippolytus, for reference, is recognized as a church father and was one of the most brilliant minds of the early church without a doubt. He was a gifted theologian, a prolific writer, and for better or for worse, a passionate opponent of heresy and of those who favored it. It was actually this latter point that ultimately got him into hot water. During the pontificate of Pope St. Zephyrinus, that's a mouthful, who died in 217, the heresy of modalism was rearing its ugly head in the church. Modalism was the belief that Christ wasn't a distinct divine person from God the Father, but that the Father instead had just appeared on earth simply in the mode, quote-unquote, of the Son. Anyway, Hippolytus didn't think the Pope was doing a good enough job, frankly, at condemning the new heresy. So he got upset, and he even leveled the charge that the Pope was a mere tool in the hands of one Callistus, a deacon and the Pope's right-hand man. Much to Hippolytus' chagrin, Callistus, a former slave who had been granted freedom prior to serving under Zephyrinus, was actually elected to succeed him. Hippolytus was already suspicious and probably jealous of Callistus, and supposedly accused him of stealing money from his master to buy his freedom, so it super set him off when Callistus took a more merciful approach as Pope to reconciling serious sinners back into the church. Think for things like adultery, fornication, and apostasy. Hippolytus was actually of the mind that the church should not let such people back into full communion, particularly for those who apostatized during the Roman persecutions. And when the Pope wouldn't budge, Hippolytus dug in. He built a following and had himself, quote-unquote, elected Pope instead. 
Now, as I might have mentioned, that was 217, three popes later, when Pontian was on the throne and Maximinus came knocking, it turned out that the new emperor didn't give a rip about legitimate or illegitimate popes. He had both of them exiled to what was called a quote-unquote living death, the salt mines on the island of Sardinia, where both would eventually die. Soon after being exiled and knowing he would likely never return alive, St. Pontian willingly resigned his office on September 28th. 235, making him the first of 11 popes, so far, in church history to do so. Pontian and Hippolytus went to the salt mines as enemies, and though we'll only know the full story when, God willing, we greet these holy men in heaven, we do know for certain that Hippolytus, through the bleak conditions and likely friendship that was forged and shared with Pontian, repented of his schismatic beliefs and was reconciled finally back to full communion with the church before his death. Pontian and Hippolytus died in 235, due to exceedingly poor conditions and likely torture, and they're considered martyrs of the faith as a result. Their bodies were sent for and returned to Rome by Pope St. Fabian, Pope number 20, and subject of episode number 4 of the podcast, if you want to have a listen, where they were buried on August 13th, 236, in the papal crypt in the catacomb of St. Callistus. Interestingly enough, in 1909, Pontian's original epitaph was discovered in the crypt of St. Cecilia, next door to the papal crypt, reading simply, Pontianus, Bishop, Martyr. So that's the story. Before we wrap things up for this week, we've got a question from one of our patrons, as well as a really excellent message we received a couple of weeks ago from a listener um, that I've been given permission to share. So I want to do the, the message portion first, and I'll get to the question from one of our patrons. So this, uh, this message came from Isaac, one of our listeners via Twitter. Isaac wrote, just wanted to thank you for all the work you do on the podcast. I am in the process of joining the Catholic Church right now, and your podcast has really helped my faith by affirming the primacy of Rome. Anyway, just wanted to say thank you. Know that you, your family, and your work are in my prayers. Isaac, thank you again. I know I, I sent you a message back, obviously, but thank you again for these kind words. I was surprised and very humbled to receive that message. This podcast, the podcast, has always been mostly a, a passion project because I just love the history of the popes and wanted to share that with whoever might listen. So to hear that bringing these histories to light um, so that more people could learn about them could in some small way help in the work that the Lord is doing in the heart of guys like Isaac is just amazing. So I remain grateful to God and thankful to all of you who listen each week. So please keep Isaac and all those preparing for reception into the church in your prayers. Okay, one last thing for this week. We've got a question lined up from Nick, one of our newest patrons. This is a perk for anyone, for what it's worth, who joins as a patron at the $2 per episode level or above, which you can check out by clicking the Become a Patron link at thepopecast.fm. And Nick asks, so why have we not had a bearded pope in so long? Well, Nick, can there be any other answer other than original Sid? No, I kid. I admit I had some fun researching this question, uh, particularly as a bearded man myself. So I'll first touch on the reasons why there are no bearded bishops of Rome and then give, uh, well, at least no bearded bishops of Rome anymore, and then give a few interesting papal beard facts, which I ran across as reported by the blog, The Bearded Catholic. So first up, beards, as many may know, have a long and storied past when it comes to religious significance. Um, That's Catholic or not. So the Catholic Encyclopedia notes that, quote, among the Jews, as a 
among most Oriental peoples, the beard was especially cherished as a symbol of virility, end quote. And scripture also pulls few punches on the matter. So uh, there's referring to cutting off another man's beard being outrageous, as in 2 Samuel, Samuel. The conscious removal of one's beard uh, personally as being a sign of mourning, as we read in Jeremiah, or that a person was literally crazy. They're going mad if they let their beard be defiled, as we read in the first uh, first book of Samuel. So sprinkled throughout history then were various traditions of being clean shaven. The, the Romans and Greeks, of course, are famously known for being sans beard. But the apostles and Jesus, of course, in art are almost always depicted with beards. The fine lines seem to be drawn, at least initially, about simply not letting a clergyman's beard grow willy-nilly, pope or not. So if you're sporting the face fuzz as the tradition went, at least tame the dang thing, right? Local canons in the early 6th century recount such a limit, but we see in the church in England, actually in particular, the enforced tradition that clergy should go further and actually, quote, allow neither hair nor beard to grow freely, end quote. Thankfully, though, despite an actual canonical imposition for the whole church coming at the Council of Toulouse in 1119, it would seem that the clergy all the way up to the popes uh, took advantage of a handy little loophole for a few hundred years. So the Latin phrase used in the law being barbum nutrire, translated as to cultivate a beard. So like the 6th century law, it was technically all right to grow facial hair as long as it was well-groomed. And as a result, it's likely why we see the popes and other illustrious saints uh, like St. Ignatius of Loyola, St. Philip Neri, uh, half a beard, I guess, in his case, or St. Francis de Sales, sporting beards all the way into the 16th and 17th centuries alongside the popes. Uh, so, But not long after that, though, clean-shaven clergy really became the norm, thanks collectively to, uh, there was a letter from St. Charles Borromeo, who encouraged his priests to shave in the six, uh, 1600s, I believe. Some authors then likened the length of a beard to growing uh, to a growing multitude of sins, and thus implying that the symbolic cutting off of the beard should be associated with conversion or a growth in holiness. And then there's finally the Cardinal Archbishop of Benevento, Cardinal Orsini in, in Italy, leading by clean-shaven example in the 18th century. Though the more practical reason really of a priest not having his duster impeding drinking from the chalice at mass also likely played a part. So I guess somewhat of a fizzling climax to that story, but a few papal beard facts should help to wrap this up. So uh, fun facts, three of them here, 70%, 70% of all the popes in history have been bearded, believe it or not. That's 188 of the 264 vicars of Christ or men who have served as vicars of Christ. And then of those 188, 82 are saints and two are blesseds, meaning that 43% of the bearded popes are saints compared to just 5% of beardless popes being saints. And as if that's not enough, though, one last fun fact, there have been 86 popes total who are now recognized as saints, bearded or not, but 82 of those had beards. So you do the math. Might have helped that most of those 82 reigned when Christianity was illegal or when holiness was in uh, far greater supply, but who knows. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thanks again to the Bearded Catholic blog for the facts, for Alatia and the Catholic Encyclopedia for the great info on bearded popes. And thanks finally to Nick, of course, for your question and for your patronage. So before we wrap up, if you're a new listener or returning listener who hasn't done so yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Popecast at iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. It's those reviews and ratings that help boost the Popecast in podcast rankings and make it more likely to be found and heard by others. Plus, if you leave a review, we'll read it aloud on a future episode and give you a shout out. So if you'd like to um, easily share 
the Popecast with friends, just send them to our website, which is the thepopecast.fm. And also, uh, as I mentioned before, to become a patron and help us continue churning these out. If you visit thepopecast.fm and click the Become a Patron button in the upper right corner, you'll be able to contribute a buck or two an episode to keep things rolling. It's set up to contribute per episode instead of per month. So you only get charged when there's new content. And um, still, for the next three patrons who join at the $2 or above level, you'll also get a limited edition Popecast sticker, which is pretty sweet. So you can put those on your laptop or hydro flask or whatever to make all the other non-patrons jealous. Am I right? So anyways, that's Become a Patron. Uh, the Become a Patron link in the upper right corner at thepopecast.fm. And then lastly, the great Pope quotes. Uh, for great Pope quotes and other great stuff in between, new episodes, uh, stories, and, and quotes, and things like that, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook uh, at thepopecast. So as we close this episode, let us ask the intercession of St. Pontian and Hippolytus, especially as our world and even the church grow more divided with every passing day. May the spirit of truth guide our every word and deed, and may we always be on the lookout for opportunities to reconcile with our enemies, even when we least expect it, and even if all seems lost. So Saints Pontian and Hippolytus, pray for us. Until next time. <laughs>